It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for. It's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jedlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Yes. Oh, no, we're starting the podcast. Keep this in, Laura. <laughs> Start us off, Cameron. Okay. Uh, welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to an exciting episode of Goat Gab. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Cameron Jodlowski. And I am your other co-host, Laura Warren-Hughes. And as always, we're so excited to be with you for another episode. And... uh it's December. That means it's a busy time for a lot of things, but not quite so busy for the goats. And and uh, what's going on in your goat world, Cameron? Nothing. Uh, again, I will reiterate that nothing. Um, but nonetheless, because there's nothing going on and because we're not milking goats and because we're not stacking hay and because we're not doing X, Y, Z, 170 other things we do with the goats – uh, we took some time and we needed a little, I don't know if we call it therapy or if we just wanted to check everybody. Uh, we got everybody out this week and um, ultrasound them again. That seems to be our, our weekend activity that we are doing every single time and every single goat. Um, counting spines, making sure they're all well, um, checking the stragglers, uh, being emotional about the stragglers, being confused about the stragglers. Um, just a whole a whole host of emotions uh, when the ultrasound machine comes out. I get it. I agree. There's there's something kind of reassuring, and then there's something that's like, uh, maybe I don't see something there, or maybe it's not as far along as I thought it was, or all those second-guessing things, too. So, Well, there was a case. There's been two cases now where we thought it was, at, it was X goat on X breed date, but the ultrasound machine tells us something very different. So, first example, we thought a goat was at 22 days pregnant. The ultrasound machine revealed 27 days pregnant. Not that big of a difference in the grand scheme of, of life there. Um, but still, um, because this goat was bred to two different bucks, questioning it all, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I get it. Well, it makes you think, uh-oh, which breeding do I go by? And, you know, definitely not one to induce because, you know, those few days could make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we've got another one where we assumed she was at 19 days past breeding date. Um, we got her on the ultrasound. It looked closer to a 40-day pregnancy. So um, we think she's bred now? Question mark. Yeah. So just, just um, again, uh, there's a lot of questions, not a lot of answers sometimes. Um, additionally, learning to scan through fat on some goats can be a lot more challenging than we had ever thought. So like challenging because you have to change the settings? So because our ultrasound probe um, is not, it, it, it's designed to go rectally as compared to being like a convex normal one there. Again, we're um, working with the tools we have. Um, so it doesn't necessarily scan the deepest there. And because of the hefty layer of extra lovin', um, one of our goats has, um, 
it it makes ultrasounding a little more challenging. Uh-huh. Well, <clears throat> yeah, when we don't have a whole lot of things pressing us, it is pretty easy to get sucked in by that magical ultrasound. Yeah, it is there. Other than that, the goats got out this week, but we're not going to talk about that. Oh, gosh. Well, Yuck. They've, they've, I'm going to talk about it because it gives me anxiety and I need to talk about my anxiety. Um, so they they figured out how to turn the hydrant on now. So that's their new game. The goats did? Yeah. You're kidding. No, no, I can't even make this up. Like, <laughs> they turned the water on. Yes, they turned the water on, yeah. Oh my gosh. It oh flooded the barn and I was, I was in Grand Forks, North Dakota and Catherine got home and she just sees water coming out of the barn and I'm just, she's like, oh no, I gotta go. I gotta go. And I'm talking to her and it was not a pretty sight. According to my sources, again, I was not there, but I felt like I lived through it. So are you blaming the togs for it? Or are you blaming the alpines okay, for let's it? let's be honest. We all know who did it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to blame the togs for it here. Um, my wife is going to be screaming at me from the other room, telling her that it was my Alpines that did it. Um, but for today's purpose, we're going to blame the Toggenberg type recorded grade dough on it. Oh yes. Okay. Pick on the poor recorded grade. There you go. She's the worst. I'll tell you that, but we could get into long diatribes about her, but we're not. Laura, what is going on at your place? Yeah, kind of like you, nothing. I finally got my Christmas tree up, so that that makes me happy. Got the Christmas tree up; it's starting to look like Christmas now, and and so I kind of did a ritual that I wait until readings are confirmed, and that is transferring the uh, due dates onto my next calendar for the next spring. So, uh, you you have your spreadsheets; I have my calendars. It kind of officializes the breeding season, so that's always a fun that's always a fun thing. So is your paper is your is your calendar paper or is it a digital? Nope, it's paper. And and you yeah, know, sure. from a digital standpoint, you know, I, I use Easy Keeper, so it makes this very nice list of does and when they are due when they're due and who they're bred to. So that's you know, I've got that that I can access from my phone or my computer or whatever, you know, whenever I need to, but I really like the visual on paper. Probably means I'm old. That's okay. That that's fine. There. Okay, we have a whole week of kidding this first week of March or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, no. So we, uh, I actually will translate it from the Google Excel spreadsheet to my work. I'll start with my personal calendar, but I'll also then put it on my work calendar as well. There, um, my boss then proceeds to make fun of me when she looks at my calendar and says, why do all these, what are all these, um, what does chaotic do mean? I said, well, that's my goat. Uh, <laughs> um, and have to explain to her that it's in my calendar in case I, you know, I looking at booking travel or doing other things for my job there. So um, yeah, I, I tend to over plan for that um, just to make sure that, but I, that reminds me, I do have some more ad to add to my calendar there. Yeah, but it always feels good when you have that on there because it's like, okay, yep, it's coming up. It's coming up. So, yes, it, it, it does. And it's kind of a good way to kind of look at it all. Right. And then speaking of, um, you know, things on the calendar, I just want to let you know, as of today, when we're reco- recording. So it is uh, December the 12th today. Um, the national show is in 214 days. 
Okay, you did not need to tell me that because it gives me anxiety. And I I'm need, sorry. I, 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 my doctor tells me, tells me I shouldn't talk about things to give me anxiety. Oh, no. Well, so I'll be looking for a new uh, podcasting host then, right? Is that right? <laughs> yes. Well, we've, we've talked about that already, but yes. <laughs> for when I'm, well, when I'm gone in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should, maybe, sh- maybe we should um, have tryouts for that. That's, that's kind of a fun idea. Anyway. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good idea. So what's going on in Advent we need to talk about? Um, not a lot. I, committees uh, are starting to be finalized. Um, I've heard the December 15th uh, deadline floating around for uh, naming some type of um, committee presence there. Um, the committee chairs were announced as well on that front there. So, um, not a whole lot of surprises from my opinion. Uh, a lot of people that have done it in the past, which is never a bad thing as well there, um, or looks like they're at the helm of those committees um, of that. Yeah, but I bet I bet there's going to be some new blood on the committees themselves. So that'll be good. Yes, I do see that there. Additionally, again, if you have not um, renewed your membership, um, go for, uh, feel free to do that as well there. Uh, again, you do get a discounted rate, um, for membership if you do it now instead of, uh, after Jan, January 1. Yeah. And you know, gosh, if you're looking for a last minute Christmas present, renew somebody's membership. That's a great Christmas present for someone. Yes, it is. Yes, it is indeed. So our topic this week, are we ready to jump to it? Yeah, I think so. I don't think we have anything else that needs to be done or or, or chit-chatted about. Cameron came up with this idea, and I'm like, yeah, this is totally a great topic to hit. Because I think we've seen this come up in bits and pieces um, on Facebook through different uh, discussions that people have had. Uh, You'll see glimpses of this being discussed, but we've never really just done an episode on it. And um, this week our topic is Fit Like a Boss. Did I say that right? Yeah, like a boss. Yes, fit like a boss. And yeah, I, I think there's some things that you can do. And, and I feel like it's relevant to have this conversation now because there's always time to think about how you can do things better in the off season. Because when you get into the middle of the season, it's it's just go, 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 go. Let's get this thing done. Or let's, you know, it, it, we're on a show and we're not really thinking about, you know, we're talking to people. Maybe that's just me talking to people too much there. And you're visiting and time gets away from you here. So really just bringing it up now is, is it kind of a good thing as well here um, to kind of think about going into the new year. Exactly. And if this discussion inspires you in thinking about certain things you might need to get for next year, then, uh, you know, maybe some of that Christmas money or, uh, you know, some tax money at the beginning of the year could be put aside for buying some new equipment or some things to make your fitting easier. Yes, yes, I agree on that one there. But in Laura, let's start with just kind of the general overall concept there. What actually is encompassed in the fitting world there, and why does it matter? Well, I, you know, when I think about fitting, you know, I, I guess we could just walk out, grab our animals out in the pasture, and uh, load them in a trailer, and then take them to a show and not really do anything with them. But um, this past weekend I had the opportunity to go 
um, watch part of a prospect cattle show. And, um, oh my gosh, just going to fangirl here a little bit. Ryan Rash was one of the judges. So I like totally got to see Ryan Rash judging in person. It was very cool. He's a phenomenal judge to watch. But <clears throat> how this fits in with our topic this week, um, they were walking out these beautifully groomed heifers that I just blew my mind how perfect the fitting was on each one of those heifers that walked out there. Um, we were watching um, a class of, I think they were maintainers and they had this beautiful pied faced, like a white faced. Oh, my daughter's sitting here telling no mom, they were limousines. Okay. So it was a limousine and uh, she was a bald faced heifer. And like her face was like clipped really, really short but then she had the cutest little fuzzy ears that just, it all blended beautifully. And then her top line was perfect. And and I thought, okay, they can really take these animals and turn a muddy pasture calf into this top looking little show thing. So when I think about fitting, that's what I think. You're taking, you're taking an animal that's pretty darn nice in, in of itself and really making it pop. That's how I look at it, Cameron. Yeah, I remember um, a, a mentor of mine and a good friend um, would always say, I think it was the 2012 Nationals, we would just look at each other. We'd be washing goats or we'd be doing something and we'd be like, just make it pop, make it pop. Um, and that's the best way to describe it there. And I think from a judge's perspective, it's important to have, you know, your animal well-groomed because one, it's, it's a representation of you as the exhibitor there. And two, I, a dish or two, there are some things that the scorecard calls out, you know, think about the, the coat of hair and though, um, not often used, um, lustrous hair is specifically called out on the scorecard there. Again, I love using lustrous hair as a reason as a judge, um, don't hate me because it's in the scorecard and we can use that as suggested terminology there. Um, additionally, the quality of the skin that's called out there as well there. So again, those, those things are called out in the scorecard. So to me, it's just part of the overall um, package of the animal. Well, and, and I also feel like too, that when you see that lustrous hair or that um, pliable skin that, you know, that just shows an overall picture of health in that animal too. You know, when, when you see an animal that has rough hair, scaly skin, um, kind of a dullness look to it, it doesn't exude that healthy, shiny, oh yeah, this is a really um, eye-catching animal out there, I, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I would agree there. So when we look at the overall package of fitting, and I think within the scope of this episode here, we're going to talk a little bit about clipping because clipping is, again, one of the most important things. And of course, that is also variant on what time of year and what the temperatures are uh, of your show. Additionally, we'll talk about we'll talk about bathing and washing there and a little bit of that. Um, some of the general cleanliness as well there. Uh, we'll mention a little bit of hoof trimming there, and then we'll just talk about some general things on top of that as well and mention those at the end. I think that sounds like a good roadmap. Awesome. So let's go ahead and talk about clipping first um, and getting to the what, when, how, why there. 
Um, and I want to start here with Laura. How do you, how, I guess, what's your overall approach to clipping goats? Well, <clears throat> oh my gosh. Okay. I've got, I've got two daughters sitting here with me and you probably just heard my oldest one say, Elizabeth, because I, I will say this, you know, over Not the years, um, it's been awesome that my daughters have turned into, um, good fitters and, uh, they kind of do the majority of the clipping now. I, I still clip some goats, but they do a lot of it too. So I, I want to give a shout out to them. <clears throat> My approach is a standard run-of-the-mill clipping like my my basic package when I when I think about clipping an animal I'm grabbing a 10 blade for all of the animal and that's that's usually where I kind of start with it that's like and, and if I'm going to teach somebody how to clip or I'm going to teach somebody how to fit um that's kind of where I start uh a tin blade on the big clippers, if you're using a clip master clipper like an Oster, is the same as a tin blade on the little clippers. Um, if you're using a Premier or a Lister, I believe it's just the regular the regular size blade. Is that right, Cameron? Yeah, that sounds right there. That that does sound right there. I do have a question on kind of the Andis or the smaller clippers there that I, I only use Andis. Um, do you prefer a ten? Or a 10W. Okay, well, I've never had a 10W, so... Oh, um, a 10W? It's, it's no. just a 10 wide blade. It's it almost, It almost is about the same size as your uh, run-of-the-mill oysters would be. Oh, that'd like be great. That so, so we have a... T, we call it a T-blade, and I think it's a... It's a wall blade, but it's, it's a wider blade, too. It clips just a little bit longer than a 10... And I use that a lot, especially on kids in the summertime, because a 10 blade does get a little bit short. And, and I say that I start with a 10 blade because for me, that's kind of the basic clip. But then you can add other sizes of blades. I think most of us that have been in goats for quite a while do that over the time. So um, I have a five blade. I have a seven blade, um, you know, some different blades that I'll use for for different animals like uh, that five blade or the seven blade. I love to use that on my solid black animals. I think it works great. Okay. So the, talking about solid black animals as well there, what is the order in which you clip goats? I mean, do you have a specific rhyme or reason, or I know you've had some all black goats in the past. So what, what's your order? Um, <laughs> first. So yes, the black ones, I usually try to clip, the very first, just because they need that extra time to grow out. Um, and I would tell our listeners that maybe are new to goats, give yourself a good two weeks on a black goat, because that is, that is one color that I've found. If you mess it up, it looks really bad. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. Cause they're, I mean, they look real choppy and, and you just, you really have to do those nice sweeping long, clips on a black goat otherwise they just look pretty dang rough so if you give yourself a couple of weeks um they they usually have some time to grow out yeah yeah i would agree there do you like to when do you like to wash your goats do you do a pre-wash before you clip or a post-wash after you clip or what are your thoughts there on that 
You uh-huh. wash your goats? My oldest daughter. What's washing? We wash goats? You don't. This is <laughs> this is a long... I think we're not going to record with kids in the room again. This is a long... My preference is to wash goats before you clip them. What? The reason why is that it's so much easier on your blades. Um, if you have a, a goat that is dirty and especially in that first clip of the year that, you know, they've got a whole fall and winter of yuck in their hair. That is the quickest way to get a set of dull blades is to um, clip them when they're not dirty, but on the flip side or to clip them before you wash them. But on the flip side of that is the fact that um, it's usually pretty chilly that time of year when you're, when you're clipping animals and you may not be able to do a, a good body wash. So, so I guess my answer on that is I prefer to have them washed, but it doesn't always happen that way. It, it does happen more often that they get washed after they get clipped. How do you guys do it? I prefer a good, well, we've done it both ways and I prefer a good rinse down after as compared to before. And it's not because of preservation of blades. And anyone that's ever seen myself clip, my dad clip, heck, even my wife clip, we're not probably the best on our blades because we are trying to go so fast because we clip so many goats in a year. Um, But I will say that the after washing there is for a couple of reasons. One, it helps. The biggest reason is it helps to promote that hair growth back there. So having that coat back or cuz when you do clip off that hair that for either the first clip or maybe it's a a late summer clip or, or something like that that you do occasionally run into bites and nicks and goats being goats there and rough patches of skin and obviously you want to try to hide those as you go those out. So I really like a wash after the fact there. Two, in the summer, it does cool them down there. And three, I think it's just good to blow the hair off of them as well, just so they don't get so itchy. I would agree with all those points. Yeah, so I like a pre-bath there. Um, Laura, do you use um, anything else? Have you ever used like the giant um, the giant oysters, the, the ones that go, um, make that noise there? Oh, yeah, that's what I learned on. Okay. Okay. I still I still have I still have my original pair and they still are just as noisy and just as heavy and run just as hot and um you know they they you really build up those wrist and arm muscles clipping with those because they are hot and heavy and as you said very 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 loud. Um that is not my preference and I just have them partly from nostalgia and partly because you know, if, if my Lister stars ever break, at least I have another pair to handle. So do you, in, and I'm just asking a lot of questions here, kind of rapid fire, but do you, you, you do your black goats first. And then I know you have some sun gals, some goats with black there. I know you have some darker Browns and I know you have some lighter Browns. What is the order? If you think about black sun gals, sun gals or Kublancs, um, Light browns, dark browns. What's kind of the order of your color of, of goats you want to clip? And do you kind of have like a a rule of thumb, like this group of colors has to be clipped 10 days out, this group seven, this group four, this group three. Does that make sense? 
Well, sure, and I wish it was that scientific. We have a plan, but we never stick to that. Yeah, we never stick to the plan. Um, A lot of times it's uh, who comes up and is easy to catch or, you know, come on, we all know that there are some goats that are delightful to clip and there are some goats that are horrible to clip. So what usually happens around here is the ones that are horrible to clip are the ones that get left for the last. (laughs) And those are the ones that don't always get their full legs clipped, their ears done. Oh, hush. Don't tell those (laughs) awful things. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) Do you have things down to a, a science? Because camera, like I know from past experience, Toggenbergs are kind of their own creatures when it comes to clipping them. Yeah. Especially that first clip of the year because they have all that undercoat. Yes. Toggenbergs are creatures of habit. I wish my wife would come in and help um, explain this here. Um, but through my rough experiences in the Toggenberg breed, that first clip is always atrocious. Just so much woolly undercoat there and so much um, just – wool and mohair and such they're like we've got goats in the pen that are actually still um growing i can actively see a patch of mohair growing on them it's kind of gross actually now that i think about it um i see my wife isn't going to come in the room and explain this better than i can um but i will tell you that i prefer toggenbergs to be clipped um a shorter amount of time than some of the alpines do there like her absolute best goat i did not actually clip at the national show until we were physically at the national show she was the only goat i clipped at the national show and one of my biggest rules of thumbs is i want to go to a goat show and i don't want to clip a goat but i broke my rule there so i i think toggenbergs are better to be clipped um closer to the to the show date there um but you've obviously got to start somewhere <laughs> and generally with those more friendly goats. But our general rule of thumb is when on our farm, because Sable's Alpines, that can kind of be the same color there, is we will start with our um we will start with our black goats. So anything that's black or sun gal and even some Kublancs as well. So the, the, the we will go and we will clip them first anywhere from ten to seven to 10 days before the show in which we'd show them there if we're trying to space this out. And additionally there, um, we'll start then into uh, youngest to oldest. And again, no rhyme or reason there. It's just that's the natural order that works its way. Youngest to oldest, that's interesting. Because um, it seems like around here that we typically get our milkers done first and then go to our kids. Well, we'll do we'll do our milkers and then we'll do our kids too. We'll do that, but like when we start with the older, we start with those there, and we pick a pen and we work on the pen, um, and, and we kind of do that. We just clip and clip and clip and don't ever stop there. So I agree with something that you said. I'm going to circle back a little bit here. Something you said about not clipping at a show. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that I've never clipped at a show but I try to do absolutely everything in my power not to have to body clip a goat at a show. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I remember I was one goat show and I clipped like five goats for a friend of mine and she paid me with some nachos. Like I, I will do that for other people for food or for money. Um, but I, I really, really don't want to clip my own goats. You don't get to take a shower in your own shower. That's my biggest beef. You know, <laughs> sometimes the shower shows are pretty dang sketchy anyway, and I don't want to have hair all over 
and have to go into a maybe lukewarm shower that that has hardly any water pressure. So that's you know that is totally picky on my part. Oh but yeah. I get it. Oh yeah, it's just you get really gross there. But Caroline, because you brought up a very um, interesting topic there, I kind of want to go there. Thank you, youth rep. Um, there, um, udders there. Again, you don't – do you wait until the show to do the udders, yes or no? Oh, gosh, yeah. I want to talk about udders, totally. Um, okay. I do. I, I, I wait until I get to the show to do udders. Okay. What, what's your reasoning for that? Most recently, it's because the girls do the majority of the clipping, and I'm kind of anal about wanting to do the udders. So I do them later on. Um, I have one daughter who's really great with udders, and so I am. You know, not going to say names, but it's it's Elizabeth. (laughs) Actually, I I was thinking it was Madeline. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm the best body clipper. Caroline's the best body clipper. Yes. So anyway, hey, I love all of my children. So just some more than others. Gosh. Anyway, back on the udders. I like to clip them at the show. Um, and always in the past, I've waited until the morning of the first day of the show because I wanted to see that udder in its full glory, so that I can really clip it where it is full. I've tried some other ways of doing it. Like I see a lot of people clipping udders when they're not full and that seems to work out just fine for them. And they do it the night before. And uh, I sat at a show this past summer and watched one guy clip his udders for about three hours the night before the show. And I thought, wow, this is, this is quite the work of art that this person is doing on their udders and they're not full at all. So I don't know. That's, that's how we do it. The, the morning of how do you guys do it, Cameron? So it depends. Again, the answer is always it depends and I hate that. Um, but what I will tell you that we generally, I will try to have everything 40 with the four, with my 40 blade before I go to the goat show there. If we're doing, even if we're doing just a 40 blade and not a razor cut there, we are really trying to make sure that we get done with that 40 blade. Mostly because again, goat shows are hectic and we like to talk to people. (laughs) Um, But at at that time too is, is my approach to it all. And I've kind of stressed this to my wife is that I want to go to a goat show and I, this is my fun time. This is our fun time because we don't want to – we spend all this time taking care of our goats and chores and we want to visit with our friends. Um, That's not to say that we don't necessarily do otters at the goat show. Our goal is always to try to have everything done and 40 by the time we are there. Okay. So then if you're going to use a razor on it, you'll do that at the show but not the 40 blade. Correct. And we've done razors at home as well while they're empty there. I relate it to, and I think about this all the time, is where do you look at your goats all, most of the time when in, during the summer? On the milk stand. On the milk stand. So you're used to naturally seeing how high that rerunner goes with just 12-ish hours of milk there. So you can generally, again, generally determine how high that udder is going to go there. You can also fix it in the morning as well. After that, if you choose to then razor it again or get your razors out there, 
our general approach, and we learned this actually in 2019, and it worked really, really well, is we had everything kind of ready to go, razored, shaved in there. And then when we brought them, we would bring them up on the stand before we went into the show ring, probably about an hour or two before we were going to get in the show ring there. And we would just touch up and go over them, make sure those arches were crisp, make sure, um, you know, if we saw any missed spots, if we needed to go higher with the 40 because they had decided to make more milk there, uh, we would do that there. Uh, but that that was that is kind of when I think of an ideal situation, let's try to get it all done beforehand and then go and do touch up an hour or two before the show. So let's talk about a little bit, a deeper dive into that, Cameron. Do you ever use a 50 blade? I do not use a 50 blade. I, no, I can't take that back. I'll take that back. I shy away from using a 50 blade only when I don't have a 40 blade. So I currently am using a 50 blade right now outside um, because it's the conveniently the one I have around right now. And I randomly found it in my tack box from um, some, some kids that use some stuff of ours, um, this year. I have used 50 blades and I really want to like them, but I feel like that my personal experience with them is it is really easy to nick the skin with a 50 blade, especially as compared to a 40 blade. I agree. I, I really agree there on that. And I think a razor, you even nick it even more there, but I also tell people yeah. that it's okay to nick, it, it, it's okay to nick because it one, it does happen there, especially if you do it way before the show there because you're having less you know resistance there. And that memory tissue tends to heal very, very quickly as well there. True. Yep. I agree with that. So yeah. I, I, I think about that. But Laura, how do you – I think there's kind of a lost art. I don't know if it's a lost art or I don't even know if it's a rediscovered art here. But how do you do your arches? I use the very edge, very, the very edge of it to make a sharp line, if that makes sense. And, and you know, to our listeners, some of what we're talking about is so much easier to show. So, yeah. so I, I would tell you, find somebody that you really admire the way that their utter looks and ask them if they would teach you. Some people may, some people may not. But it doesn't hurt to ask and, and see if you can just at least observe what they're doing. But I take the edge and, and make the edge first and then work underneath it, if that makes sense. Is that your approach? Kind of there. I think about and, – and I am – I feel like I'm very skilled at it. However, again, I make mistakes as well there and I'll own that. Um, but I – what I tend to do is I try to think of – Something my seventh grade math teacher taught me. I don't remember much from those days, but I remember this. That what is a circle? A circle is comprised of just straight lines overlaid on top of each other. So when you think about that and apply that, if you go straight and straight and just continue to turn your razor there, keeping it, you know, changing the angle in which it, it is comprised there, you will get eventually to a circle. Yes, but I I I think even with that you still kind of have to focus on that that side of the blade. You know, the the blade is not curved, the blade is straight. So you have to use that side to make the little straight lines, I guess correct. is what I'm saying. You are correct. Yeah. yeah. And I will tell you there are some people that that can do this with such precision in an arch there that they are able to make goats utters look wider than they actually are. Um but I will tell you that 
it, it is a double-edged sword as well when you razor goats udders. And if they don't necessarily have all of the rear udder attachment or the rear udder width, you can actually um, almost hurt the goat rather than help the goat. Oh gosh, yes. And and guys, if if you really don't know what you're doing in trimming an udder, don't trim outside of the natural udder. Because it, just like Cameron said, it really highlights the fact that your animal is lacking in attachment. There are so many animals that I've looked at pictures and thought, you know, really that doe's not that bad looking. But they've tried to to enhance what the natural boundaries of that mammary system are to the point that it's very detrimental to inequality there. Yeah, I, I agree on that front there. Uh, one quick question to the peanut gallery, assuming they're still in the room there. Um, Caroline, what did we learn about forerunners a couple years ago? To follow the line of the flank. Yes. Yes. Yes, there and people and this and again it, it gets into people's discrepancies there. But if you follow the line of the flank all the way to the milk vein and create a natural um, angle there, you can make a very cool appearance of your goat and make it look better. Don't you agree, Caroline? Oh, it helps me in showmanship. I pick on. I pick on Caroline because I was screaming at her at a national show, and I said, "You need to go farther." It did really end up making the animal. It made the fore udder and like the rear udder. It just came together a lot more afterwards. And I, full disclosure, I used to just clip it with the rest of the body, not give it a um, shorter blade. And that's a huge no-no if you ask Cameron. So. <laughs> but I also think too, um, following that natural flank is really important because I think all of us have seen animals that have had their foreudders clipped that's like obnoxiously outside of the natural lines of the animal. And it seems like this kind of comes and goes in styles, or it may be in certain parts of the country that it's more popular to do it this way. But I would just caution, just don't. don't. People, it's obvious what you're doing. Just don't. Don't do it. Yes. So we've touched a lot about clipping, but I think clipping is kind of where the rubber meets the road and the cream really rises to the top and some of our top fitters in the nation. Wouldn't you agree, Laura? Yes, I definitely would. Now, I do have a question about fitting. Yeah. Do you have a do you use your uh, regular milk stand or do you have a special stand that you use for fitting? Regular milk stand. I I wish I was that bougie. <laughs> well, Somehow we got gifted a sheep fitting stand, you know, that has like the, the, um, oh, the head, cap. the head, the head brace on it. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Um, so we have one of those and, and I will just say it's not my favorite to clip on. And in fact, sometimes I think they do better on the milk stand rather than on a fitting stand. For bucks, we actually do use a sheep stand. Uh, or have used a sheep stand in the past. The thing I like about that sheep stand is that it has a gate that can be attached to the side, kind of a gate, kind of just a natural barrier there. So when the buck jumps off or tries to swing his weight away from you, he rams into that side wall as compared to just tipping the milk stand or the, the actual stand over. 
Oh, that's that's lovely. Yeah, that that would be helpful. That would be helpful. Yeah, on that one there, um, Laura. Let's talk a little bit about bathing here and kind of move on from clipping again. Very important, but I do want to get to some other topics of fitting like a boss here. All right, bathing. So we've both established that it's a good thing to do. That's, but sometimes it doesn't get done. Is that a safe thing to say? Yes, absolutely there. And I think that's very different than a lot of the other livestock world where they are definitely focused on hair growth, especially on the cattle side there. And, um, you know, there's people always hitting the wash racks and blowing their cattle out or, you know, hitting the hitting their hogs and going to the wash racks there. And, yeah. I do think a difference between goats and cattle, though, is um, – we don't well in dairy goats versus meat goats even we don't use the same amount of product in our dairy goats hair that they do in beef cattle or even dairy cattle or um meat goats for that matter you know we're not putting that stuff in that makes the hair stand up straight on their legs and we're not building top lines and we're not um you know putting all the oils or the the mooses or the things like that in their hair. So it's not quite so important that we wash them out after a show. But again, what judge wants to go through and uh, feel your animal and realize that they've got a handful of dirt or buck grease or, you know, uh, things that aren't fun to touch. A clean animal just feels better. And I think with dairy goats, especially because they are being handled, whereas cattle are not, it's really important to have that feel in the in the forefront of your mind when you're fitting an animal for show. Mm-hmm. So do you, I think we've established this, but I'll ask the question here. Do you bathe your goats for every show? And if you don't, what coach do you what shows do you give them a bath for? Uh, if we have time, we bathe them for every show. If it's really cold, we don't. If it's cold, we won't. Um, We'll give them a nice, um, like, wet wipe bath. Yeah, wet wipe bath. And uh, when it comes to sonnens, it doesn't. You wash them. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really matter if you wash them before you clip them and you wash them after you clip them. You're going to be washing them at the show again, too, because they are just like dirt magnets. Yeah, yeah. All white goats are dirt magnets there. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So white Lamontas or, or whatever. Yes. Uh, it, dirt magnets. So that's kind of we, what we do. Do you – oh, and we we usually wash once we get to the show because for us, we have to travel on gravel a little bit before we get before we get off of our road. So, you know, they're, they're getting some dust and road dirt too, you know um, – before they even get to the show. So what do you guys do? I will tell you that we seldomly bathe them before that we go to a show. I would say the national show is different there. Maybe a high profile state fair is different as well there. Um, One year we were at the Indiana state fair and it was no surprise to anyone that our goats were um, pooping their guts out um, because we had some, some gut things going on there and um, we walked them halfway or the whole way across the barn in order to go to the wash racks there and, and clean all of our kids. Um, so there are cases where we will wash them and impromptu wash them there. There are other cases where um, we we don't. We take that wet white bath approach there on that. 
Um, but it, it just depends on the show. And then it also depends on the condition of, in which um, the goats are living in the day before the show. So if we've had a lot of rain or we've had uh, muddy pens and it hasn't been able to dry out yet from the past couple of weeks there, we will wash them as we are loading them onto the trailer. And we've done that too when it's really hot and we feel like that, you know, they might appreciate a little bit of a cool off. Yeah. Have you talking a little bit about baths there? What type of shampoos do you guys use? Sometimes made in tail. Um, my favorite shampoo to use, but it's really hard to find is something called Corvus. Uh-huh. And it's in a, a big round, um, a round pot for a lack of a better word. It's kind of a thick shampoo. It's really concentrated. It smells really good and it makes their hair so pretty and soft. Um, but we've used like the, the purple shampoos before. Um, the real special on ones get dove. Oh no. She <laughs> says dove. We've used human shampoo on them before too. So really it's just kind of whatever we have, but I, I feel like that the animal shampoos, whether you're using Corvus or you're using like the purple shampoos that make the white animals really pretty white. Um, those are my favorites. Word to the wise, if you're going to use one of those purple shampoos, don't leave it on too long and don't use too much because your white goats will turn purple. Just don't use it on white goats at all. No, it's meant for white goats. Yeah. Just don't leave it on too long. (laughs) What about, um, I echo a lot of those sentiments there, whatever. My favorites are the ones that are on sale at Walmart um, whatever is in your kitchen and whatever you really have in your tack box. Those are kind of the three, but one that you do have mentioned on this list here are iodine shampoos. And I really, really like iodine shampoos for any type of, um, you know, maybe there was, um, some type of, you know, maybe there was, uh, God forsaken, you know, maybe there, a goat has had ringworm at one point there and you kind of want to shave that off. And that's not really for going to shows because you shouldn't be taking goats to shows with ringworm there. But, um, you know, pre, uh, pre goat shows or getting that ringworm off and using an iodine shampoo there, any type of hair spot as well. We'll use an iodine shampoo. My dad really does like to use iodine shampoos, not because we have ringworm, but really just likes to use iodine shampoos. Well, I, I think so too. And, and if you have gone to a show and you've come home and you're concerned at all that maybe you could have picked something up at a show, I think an iodine shampoo is great to wash with before you come back to the barn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do, I do have a question though. Have you ever used any conditioner with your goats? Um, we have. Not, not very often. I mean, it's, it's just another step in, you know, we all know how much goats like water. So um, having to put a conditioner in there isn't great. Now, uh, most of us are familiar with Shoshin as like an aerosol spray that you spray on, but the original Shoshin was something that you spray, put, put on them wet. And so I've always thought that was kind of a nice conditioner to use. But do you guys use a conditioner with your goats? No, never have. Never even thought about it until this podcast. But I, I think I would like to try it next time we wash the goats. Or I'd like to use some of that men's two-for-one type stuff. Yeah, I wonder, how, I wonder how that would work. You know, put some extra, put some extra um, 
uh, oils or, or some extra softness back into their hair. I, I think that that could be interesting. So yes. Yes. I agree yeah. on that front there. Um, what, one thing I do want to ask you guys here is kids when they are doing showmanship tend to go the extra mile and do a lot of scrubbing, you know, scrubbing of the hooves, getting the eye boogies out, the, the, um, the nose trimmings really scrubbing those knees there. Do you see value in going the extra mile of doing a lot of that scrubbing there for, um, a, a non showmanship class? Probably nationals, but not otherwise, really. Gotcha. Gotcha there. I, you know, I, I kind of think the same thing. And I can remember back when I was really new to showing goats and didn't have very many. Every animal is treated like a showmanship animal, you know, down to the point of scrubbing the knees. And, you know, at that time, it was kind of in style to buy the shiny black, um, liquid shoe polish or hoof polish that you would use on horses. And, and I remember polishing my goat's hooves with that and taking Vaseline and putting underneath the goat's tail with, with Vaseline and putting that in their ears too, so that, you know, dirt and stuff didn't cling to them. And then of course, taking the socks or the little boots or whatever you're going to put on their feet. So their feet stay nice and clean all of those, I did that with all of my goats. And, and you know, over time, I've realized that judges have such short amount of time to look at your animal in the show ring. Those things don't probably necessarily um, give you a good return on your time investment. But I do think that they give your animal that extra little bit of bling if, if you want that. I just don't know that it's worth it. Yep. Yep. I agree there. Let's move on here. We're talking about a general bath, but what about if you're giving them the wet white bath, as um, I'll, I'll call it there, or the the um, our secret stuff bath as well there. So um, what are some of the specific places that you guys hit to clean when you're giving them that wet white bath? Um, their knees, their underbelly, basically any spot you see on a sonin, which is like its entire <laughs> body. Yeah. Sonnen's, let's just say Sonnen's just need it all over. But they get a regular and the wet white bath. You know, I, I think cleaning out their eye boogers, if, if your goat has them, um, making sure that their nose isn't nice and crested with those alfalfa leaves that, you know, get, get crusted up in their nose. Um, wash their, you know, clean their ears out. And I want to jump back on that. It was something I meant to say. Um, earlier when you're clipping or when you're washing, when you have your goat up in the stand, check their tattoos, make sure that they're legible, make sure that you can see them just fine. Don't just go on the uh, thought that they were fine last year because tattoos do fade and the time to catch it is, you know, the week or two before the show so that you can make sure that, uh, you know, it's legible. And if it's not, Send those papers in rush and get re-tattooed re put on there. Don't just hope that, well, I think they'll probably be able to see it. If you're having problems seeing it, just take care of the problem at that time. Yep, absolutely there on that front. Uh, very important there. Very Definitely clean, your, clean their ears with, with the wet wipes and under the tail. You know, I'm not saying – we all know that goats uh, – 
can build up a tremendous amount of yuck under their tail during the course of the winter time. It really does make a difference to have that cleaned out. It just looks so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I think a couple other places to just to kind of show or highlight there, especially um, I find that there's a lot of dirt build up, especially around the front end. And I find a lot of people miss um, that, the, that front end cleanup. Cause you're looking at the goat from the side, necessarily if they're up on the stand, you miss the front because of the head gate on there. So looking at it from the side as well, I think, or the front, excuse me, is really important to clean kind of that underbelly or not really the underbelly, but the whole front end, the brisket there and getting that all clean. I think that's one place that a lot of people miss. Yep. I would agree with that too. I do want to talk, and Laura, you kind of mentioned it here about the OG show sheen. What does the uh, what? What's your approach about show sheen? You can overdo it, or you can overdo any type of a hair polish whatsoever. And if you put enough stuff on your animal, that when you run your animal down the side, your fingers come away greasy or oily or sticky or um, otherwise coated with something you have crossed that line of overdoing it. And I, and I can remember as a judge, there was nothing that was grosser than feeling an animal, you know, putting your hand on the animal's coat on the animal's side, and then feeling like you need to go wash your hands before you can touch another animal. Um, And back in the the eighties and nineties, for some reason using Avon skin so soft was really in style because I guess it was a nice, um, fly repellent too well i'll tell you what in my book it was a judge repellent because that stuff was so oily and greasy and sticky that it just it would just coat your hands and it was just awful so probably more than what you are asking cameron but i would say if it's something that is so obnoxious that that your fingers are coated you've overdone it gotcha no that makes sense there and again i think there's there is too much, and I think about the smell of a lot of shoshines as well, and I don't find that too appealing either. Yeah, and there are some judges who will, before they're judging, will come right out and say, I don't want shoshine on your animals. I don't want um, lotion or oil um, on your udder before I before I feel your udder. I don't I don't want to touch that. So again, you kind of have to take that into consideration. Also, pro, pro tip on that: if you don't want it, if you don't want it on the udder, make sure that's applied like an hour to two in advance. There, uh, they'll they'll never notice it. Trust me, because it absorbs right in. I I know from personal experience. Um, yeah, my dad. I I little side story here growing up but all one of us always had one job and it was go apply the lotion on all 18 goats in our show string you know at that time so we would go from pen to pen to pen and using the little lotion and normally it's the cocoa butter or whatever that we use like cocoa butter or really whatever's on sale at that point my mom finds um as lotion but but I'm a firm believer, and I know I didn't talk about it during clipping, but I'm a firm believer in lotion and the udders. Oh, me too. Uh, my favorite is the the lavender. Mm, I really like the lavender smelling lotion, or the udder mint is great too. Yes, I uh, I noticed that when I judged your goats recently, I, I noticed the lavender on their udders. It was refreshing. <laughs> Which just You're smells welcome. good. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, but I think, you know, I think that's, I think that's okay. So just don't overdo it. There's, you know, a little bit is a good thing. Too much is never a good thing. Uh-huh. And, and I feel like with dairy goats too, Cameron, and you can stop me if you don't agree, but um, we really don't use those products that they use in meat animals. Fixatives, um, stuff that makes the hair, um, more coarse or stand out more or puffier. That's just not part of what we do with dairy goats. Yeah. Yeah. And there, we don't really see a lot of adhesives being used or a lot of, um, creativity, uh, cre- not creative, but it is creativity of products being used there. Um, I, I do think that makes it just to look a little bit all natural there. I think about when I was at world dairy expo earlier this year and just seeing all of the cows painted and how much, oils and paint are on them i just think oh my god like that doesn't necessarily look good always there no but again they don't touch the cows either yes you know how they shave the ribs so yeah don't get- don't shave the ribs on a goat like they do on cows mm-hmm. yeah do not do not recommend it there do you have any products besides wet wipes for cleaning no that's yeah that's all that's really that's all we use um you know, that or a washcloth with a little bit of soap on it. But yeah, that's, that's what we do. Uh, simple is, is our, is the name of our game here. Do you use anything separate than that? Yes, we do. We actually, I would call it a proprietary blend, but it's not because it's mostly water. Um, it's, it's water. And then just, uh, a, a, I do believe there is a smidge of bleach in that. Just a smidge, very small, very small amount. And then just a little bit of Nova sand as well there. So mix all three of those up. There and we get a pretty um, interesting color. It doesn't look the best coloration wise, um, but it works very, very effectively. And we just put it in like a spray bottle and then use that and spray on that. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. And Nova Sand is great to have on the farm as well. It's a it's a great disinfectant um, in order as a cleaner there. So it's 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 not like we're and we've used we've even used like a, a very small chlor- amount of chlorhexidine as well there instead of a Nova Sand. Um, it just, it just kind of depends what we're going for. So the, the Nova scene probably gives you a prettier color. Yes. Nova sand is blue by, by its coloration there. But when you mix other things with it, it might turn to like a brown. Yeah. Interesting. Um, let's move. Are we ready to move to hoof trimming? Yeah, this is a, this is a very, 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 very important and overlooked, um, aspect in my opinion. I, yes, I would agree with that too. And and honestly, like when you've got your goat on the stand, actually even before that, really ideally hoof trimming should take place a week or two before the show. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, if you're doing it the day of, you are you are missing the boat. Yeah, if you're doing it the day of, as my daughters remind me all the time, I'm getting um, dirty looks here. You think you're going to be so careful and you think you can do it without causing a nick. And I'm going to tell you probably six times out of 10, it's going to come back to bite you. You will nick somebody. They'll kick. They're nervous. Whatever. It'll be your best goat. And or you forget to trim one of the hooves and and then you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've definitely ran into that where we've looked at a goat and be like, did Oh, I swore we did your hooves. And then all of a sudden they're not. And we're just like, well, can't fix that today. So, so. well, 
that, that means that you're wise in saying, oh, can't fix that today because then you get dumb people like me who say, oh, I can do it. It's fine. I won't. Oops. Yeah. Because the thing is, you never know if that goat's going to kick. Yeah. You, you could be fine, but the goat is going to kick. Yeah, you, you just don't know. Every you have that dramatic one where you barely nick them and they're limping for the next week. So, yeah. So my alpine that allegedly gets out and turns the water on, I don't know. I can't confirm. I wasn't there. I was in, it was in North Dakota. Um, she has the worst hooves and she almost like, she will almost like limp around the pen after you do her hooves. So I know on her, like, you need to you need to trim her hooves like almost um, four days in advance before a show, right? Or or longer because I have a doe who her feet aren't bad, but she is like such a drama queen that if you even not even draw blood, just get close to drawing blood, she acts like she's dying. So you know, just don't do it. Even if you think, oh, I can just take a little off, just don't get it done beforehand. Um, you know, make sure you do a good trim job on it because there's nothing, there's nothing, especially for showmanship, that is a good way to separate the men from the boys than having a goat that has hooves that are not trimmed and hooves that are trimmed. But there are some goat, there are, as a showmanship judge, especially on younger kids, I, I really, hooves, the scorecard calls it out, yes. But, at sometimes it's not the child's fault because they didn't do the hooves, if that makes sense as well there. Oh yes, for sure. Yes, that's true. Yes. So I, I hate to punish the, the kid the kids for actions of the adult. Um, but I will say that. But uh kind of talking about hoof trimming here, I always start out with a flat surface that is on a milk stand or raised an elevated surface there. And I'm not talking about your milk stand that has like little slits in it there. I like a board, just a flat board. You can see a lot more when they're on a flat surface. Well, that and then we actually used to carry spotlights with us as well for my grandfather. One, because of his macular degeneration. And two, um, the other one, because he, we you can see the hooves a lot better too, especially on dark hooves. That would make sense. So are you talking about one of those square lights that you just plug in and it's on a stand and it like shines on what you're doing? Yep. Because yep. I've um, been kind of envious of some people at shows over the past couple of years that have had those lights and they've used them uh, for trimming udders the night before the show. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that is just, that is a lot. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. There. So let's talk about the hoof trimmers. And Laura, you... Have a you are very brand loyal to your hoof trimmer. I am. And what is your brand? I love the ARS hoof trimmers. They are to me of all the trimmers that I've used, those are the ones that work the very best for me. And they hold they're strong. Um I just think they're great trimmers. And Laura got me a pair last year for Christmas. 
Um, and I actually left them at my dad's house because he was using them more than I was. But when I did use them, and I mostly used them on bucks because my dad doesn't trust me to trim the feet of any other goat here, including my, my wife also doesn't trust me to do that. And I, that is not one of my strong suits. I will admit that. Um, it, and I, when I used them, though, they were very good. They were very lightweight, and my hand did not hurt as much as the orange ones I used. Right, and I, I used to be a, a strong believer in the orange ones, but these blow those out of the water. Now, I will also say that I've used the, is it the silver line hoof trimmers, and those are nice too. Um, I prefer the ARS. Just I, They just fit my hand better. They tend to stay sharp longer. I just really like those. Those are my favorites. So, Or you could just go with the hoof box. And then, okay, so Elizabeth's also mentioning a hoof boss, and um, I'm not very proficient with that, but what I like about the hoof boss is after you get the main part of the hoof trimmed, you can use that hoof boss to um, really flatten out the bottom of the hoof, and it also rotates fast enough that um, if you happen to nick it a little bit, it cauterizes it so you're not bleeding all over. That would be nice. That would be nice there, Elizabeth. When you, I know you've got some experience with the with the hoof boss there. Would you say it's faster than a um, normal hoof trim? Um, not when you're first starting out. I would say, and it's also one of those things that you, if you keep up with it more often, then yes. But it's definitely one of those things that you just need to get used to using, like maneuvering it around. Um, you definitely need to wear gloves when you do it because it can be pretty dangerous if you don't have any kind of like protection on. Um, but and I, what I really like about it is like what mom said, it just, it really smooths their feet out. And if you have a doe that tends to founder pretty easily, um, it fixes a found, the founder problem pretty quick. So um, it definitely has its pros, but the con is you really have to work with it to learn how to use it pretty well. Interesting. We do have a goat that has foundered again, the goat that seems to um, get out and turn waterers on. Um, she she is quite the chaotic goat. Let's just say that. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Not trying to allude to her name or anything. There. Uh-huh. Um, have any of you guys ever used a rasper before? Are you talking about like like the like a a box file? Yeah, like a box file. Yeah. I have. Um, when I was like a young adult with goats, my first time around, I had I had those, and actually, I think I still have one in the tack talk- box. I don't use it very often. Um, most of the time, uh, you you need the hooves to be pretty soft. I, f- I feel to get a good use with those, but maybe I'm just not very good at using them. Do do you guys use those? Uh, we have never used one. I I am in love, and this can sound weird, but I think some people are too. I am in love with like the TikTok videos of the people that trim horses' hooves or do cow hooves. I find it so relaxing and so um, mind numbing. I, that's the best word to describe it there. So I, uh, I, I, they use raspers a lot. I think it just creates a cool little texture for the hooves and, and such that I don't know what it does, or I don't know if it takes it to a boss level, 
Um, but I do think it, it is a good tool in the toolbox to have if used correctly. Huh. I'll have to check that out on TikTok. Yes. Yes. As well there. Um, what about hoof polish? Do you use the hoof polish? I, you know what, Cameron? I think that's fallen out of style. Really? Don't you think so? I, have you seen anybody that uses hoof polish anymore? No, I don't. I mean, I, I mean, I've used like, like, I've used like shoe polish on goats there, but other, you know. Yeah, no, I'm talking. No, I don't think anybody uses it anymore. So, um, and I wouldn't use it. I think to me, it really draws attention to the hooves. It's not really natural for goats to have shiny black hooves. If you so, have bad feet, don't use it. <laughs> yeah, if you have bad feet, especially don't use it. Yeah. Yes, correct there on that. Laura, we've kind of went through our list here and we're running a little long on time. Um, if we want to take maybe why don't we go around the room and I'm gonna put Caroline and Elizabeth on on the spot here. If you want to say Tay, one thing that we have missed to take fitting to a boss level, what would be the one thing that that y'all have there and I want to start with Elizabeth um well this is just an experience that I have had one time and my sister Madeline has had a few times check the blade size before you start clipping your showmanship goat um especially make sure it's not a 50 or a 40 before you start clipping on the body of the goat because you're gonna definitely have a very obvious strip on their back of a different hair length if you uh, don't check that first. And don't ever assume that somebody put the right blade on before you start clipping because nine times out of ten, they probably haven't. So, Have you ever had that happen, Cameron? Yeah, 2006 Nationals. My dad did it to my brother's showmanship goat. Started clipping the rump with a 40 blade. Oh, God. <laughs> What'd you do? What did he do? <laughs> Blend? What, what you Question mark? <laughs> oh. Um, voodoo, voodoo had a scary clip. Let's just say that. The oh. whole body gets a 40 blade. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, poor Madeline. I will never forget that. She was so mad, and I'm like, well, yeah, I was trimming udders. I just didn't put the 10 blades back on. And um, Anyway, it was... So the question is, whose fault is it? Was it the person that didn't put the tin blade back on or is it the person that didn't check? It's always the person that didn't check because you can't assume That's that. What I and number and number two, um, it you never I mean they it could have been Joe Blow Schmo that ran those clippers. Now, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Um Laura, what are your thoughts on taking it to taking fitting to a boss level? Um don't be extreme. Be consistent. And really take a look at your animal and think, what is something that I can do to help with the way that this animal is being presented that, as we said before, really makes this animal pop? You know, is it is it is it that she has this amazing, beautiful neck? Okay, if that's the case then make sure that everything blends perfectly, um, that you're not leaving extra funky long hairs in the way that the neck blends into the withers. Or um, 
you know, watch out for those tags of hair that happen sometimes when you clip too fast and you don't go back and, and take a look again at your animal. Um, and my other thing that I think is so important, take care of your clippers and your blades. Oil them when they need to be oiled. Use clipper lube on them. Change out blades if you need to when they start getting hot. Okay, that that's great there. That's my thoughts on there. So my my thought, and I've kind of reflected on this, and I guess I've noticed more kids doing it in showmanship these days. So I want to translate it to the adult world because kids are doing it. Adults are definitely doing it too, or teaching them somewhere. Is you cannot be afraid to clip around the eyes. Um, being able to get rid of those long eyelashes is so important because one, it not only makes the head look good, but two, it just shows that the clip job is consistent as well. The amount of long eyelashes I saw at the national show, including on a showmanship class winner as well there, um, to me was was really out, uh, just kind of blew my mind in a nutshell there. So really make sure that you, as, a, as an exhibitor, get up and personal around those eyelashes there when clipping those goats in order to take your fit job to the next level. You do know, Cameron, that some people like leaving long eyelashes on their goats, right? Oh, it's just, it's just you lose you, continuity. You lose continuity of the hair coat. True. Yeah. No, I I get it. I'm just saying. Uh, it's it's. I've got a daughter cringing over here. So. <laughs> Well, on that cringing note as well here, um, we uh, appreciate our listeners for joining us this week. I think this has been a really fun episode to talk about and definitely some things to ponder uh, going and moving into the new year. For sure. And, you know, as always, we love your feedback and, uh, you know, we hope you can tell your other goat friends that uh, podcasts are a great way to uh, fill your day when you're choring or mucking out the barn or driving to pick up your next herd sire or or whatever. And we can be found on Spotify. We can be found on Apple Podcasts. We can be found on Google and all kinds of different areas. And, and please leave us some feedback. Yes, absolutely there. Everybody have a great week and we'll catch you on the next one. Have a great week and thanks for joining us. <laughs>